Hi everyone, welcome to new listeners and welcome back if you have been here before. Our feature story is about the patent that Microsoft has filed to revive loved ones as chatbots. Yes, chatbots. We live in very interesting times right now. We will also discuss the launch of Tunisia's first satellite, a new watch that costs as much as a small house, and the bereavement bill or legislation that has recently become law in New Zealand. I am your host, Yemi, and every week I bring you Overlook stories from all around the world. As you will see from this episode, the stories include some that are good, some that are bad, and some like Microsoft's AI bots that are just weird. With that said, let's jump right into the stories for this week. If you miss going to museums, you are going to love our first story. For those of us who miss museums and have always wanted to visit the Louvre Museum in Paris, this story is even more exciting. The Louvre Museum announced that it has put nearly half a million items from its collection online for the public to visit for free. The database consists of entries that are part of the national collection and registered in the inventories of the museum's eight curatorial departments. The eight curatorial departments are Near Eastern Antiquities, Egyptian Antiquities, Greek Etruscan and Roman Antiquities, Islamic Arts, Paintings, Medieval Renaissance and Modern Sculpture, Paintings and Drawings, Medieval and Renaissance and Modern Decorative Arts. The new database, which can be found on Louvre.fr, spelled L-O-U-V-R-E dot F-R, includes more items than those that were on display. It also includes items that were in storage and in its new state-of-the-art facility at Le Vin in northern France. The museum also announced earlier this month that it would intensify its efforts to restore items looted from Jewish families by the Nazi regime. To that end, the collection's database also includes the so-called items that are classified as MNR or Musée Nationales Recuperation or National Museums Recovery in its own dedicated library. After World War II, about 61,000 works of art were retrieved in Germany and brought back to France. Many of these works had been stolen from Jewish families. To date, more than a third have been returned to their rightful owners after investigation and verification. There is no statute of limitations or time limit for the recovery requests for these items, and the Louvre has expressed a commitment to reuniting the rightful owners with the stolen items. Back to the online gallery. Visitors can search through the museum's massive collection through simple or advanced searches by curatorial department or themed albums. The website also has an interactive map that allows people to explore the museum and every one of its artworks room by room. Have you been to the Louvre? Share your experience with the community on either Instagram or on the blog page. Tunisia is celebrating the launch of its very first domestically made satellite. The satellite, named Challenge 1, is produced through local resources with the support of the Tunisian Information and Technology Company, also known as Telnet. It was launched with the help of a Russian launching rocket from the base in Kazakhstan. It's a small step for aerospace, but it is definitely a big step for Tunisia. 
Tunisia hopes that the success will show young people that there is a future for them in the North African nation. Challenge 1 blasted off along with 37 other satellites aboard the Russian Cyrus rocket from the Baikonur Komosdrom in Kazakhstan last week Monday. According to the website Space in Africa, as of June 2020, 11 African countries, which include Algeria, Angola, Egypt, Ethiopia, Ghana, Kenya, Morocco, Nigeria, Rwanda, South Africa, and Sudan, had successfully launched 41 satellites. 38 of the satellites launched were unilateral and 3 were multilateral satellites, which means they were created through cooperation from more than one country. Of the 41 satellites that have been launched, only 12 were developed locally by African engineers. Challenge 1 is expected to be a precursor for a constellation of 30 satellites to be launched by the year 2023. The African space market is now worth over an estimated $7 billion per year, according to the website Space in Africa. The website reports that this number is likely to grow over 40% in the next five years. Challenge 1 is tasked with collecting data, including temperature, pollution, and humidity readings over places without internet coverage. As part of the government's efforts to gather this type of information from areas beyond terrestrial phone networks. Coverage of this story is purely driven by two of my personal interests, well-designed watches and Star Wars. The Switzerland-based design studio Cross has partnered with Lucasfilm to create what GameSpot is calling one of the most exuberant branded watches. The Death Star Ultimate Collector Set is a super high-end watch that carries a premium price tag of, get this, $150,000. So yes, for the price of a small home, and you definitely heard me say $150,000, you can be one of 10 exclusive collectors of a watch that has been designed to look like the Death Star. The watch is slick, and the Death Star that sits in its center has an incredible amount of fine detail. For your $150,000, you will also get a movie prop, Kyber Crystal from Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, and a Kyber Crystal container to house the watch when you're not wearing it. Cross has made other watches that crisscross into pop culture. Um, They once made a 29,900 Batmobile desk clock that is still available on their website. As of the time the story came across my newsfeed, none of the 10 watches had sold yet. So you have a really rare opportunity to nab one of these fancy, fancy pieces. This next story is kind of disgusting. A 59 feet long tapeworm was removed from a man's rectum in Thailand. Do, Do I need to say more? Okay, if you insist. In a horrifying medical mystery, the cause of a 69-year-old Thai man's chronic flatulence and stomach ache was found to be a parasite infecting his lower intestines. The tapeworm that was residing inside the man was 59-foot-long Tena saginata. This tapeworm is often called beef tapeworm and it causes some diseases in cattle. It can enter the body if we eat raw or cooked beef that has the parasite's eggs. Doctors now believe that this oral consumption is exactly how this man became infected in the first place. 
the unnamed man went to the hospital. His stool sample was then analyzed as part of several tests, and experts at the Parasitic Disease Research Center made a shocking discovery of 28 parasitic eggs in his stool sample. Once these were discovered, he was immediately admitted and given the worming medicine. The next day, the worms came out via the back exit. The medics believe that this is the biggest tapeworm found in Thailand in more than 50 years. Adult tapeworms can measure more than 80 feet and can survive as long as 30 years in a host, according to the Mayo Clinic. The man, who possibly ate raw beef and hence got infected, has now been advised to, you know, change his eating habits. While the next story is positive, the subject matter may be sensitive as it deals with the loss of a child. Um, I do not go into any form of detail, but in case the topic is disturbing at all, skip over to the next story using the chapter marker in your podcast player. The Parliament of New Zealand has unanimously passed a bill that allows people to take a three-day leave for bereavement in the event of a miscarriage. The provisions of the new legislation would apply to mothers and their partners, as well as parents planning to have a child through adoption or surrogacy. New Zealand is now one of the only countries that offers paid leave for this kind of situation. Advocates have also said that this moves towards destigmatizing the experience that many, many women go through every single day. According to courts, the only other country with legislation of this kind is India, where women are entitled to six weeks of paid leave if they miscarry. But the law, which was passed in 2017, applies only to those who work at a company with 10 or more people. The investigation by cards highlights that this may only be a symbolic gesture since most of the female working population participates in Indians' informal job markets. Previously, there was no support in New Zealand for women who lost a baby less than 20 weeks into their pregnancy. Other countries have less generous policies in place for miscarriages and stillborn births. The time is at least 12 weeks in Australia, 24 weeks in Britain, and in Canada, the timing is at minimum 17 weeks, and that depends on the province where the woman is located. The United States has no known laws that addresses miscarriages or stillborn births and the workplace. In other parts of the world, miscarriages can put women in jail. More than a dozen women are imprisoned in El Salvador, charged with aggravated homicide under the country's total ban on abortion after suffering what they say were obstetric emergencies. Similar cases have permeated in Mexico, Argentina, and parts of the U.S. With this new law, New Zealand retains its status as a pioneer on issues around women's rights. A year ago, the New Zealand Parliament passed a reform bill that decriminalized abortion and allowed women to choose a termination up to 20 weeks into their pregnancy. Australians have ridiculed a suggestion by the police commissioner in New South Wales, or NSW, that suggested an app could be used to register sexual consent. Mick Fuller, the police commissioner in question, championed the idea of an app where people could digitally record their mutual agreement to have sex. He said the technology could be used to establish, and I'm going to quote here, positive consent. The NSW rationalized the app as a way of normalizing the act of explicitly seeking consent while also potentially allowing there to be evidence of explicit consent for legal cases. 
Many people have criticized the proposal as both short-sighted and potentially open to abuse. For example, women's advocates have pointed out that the consent record could be superseded simply if the person changed their mind, or the record could in fact be fake. Other lawmakers also criticized the app as inadequate compared to efforts to improve sexual assault laws for victims and improve awareness generally. A similar app by a private company was released in Denmark earlier in 2021 after the country criminalized sex without explicit consent. But it was widely ridiculed as well by both the public and the press. This development comes after protests were held all across Australia in early March as a lot of people protested the sexual abuse and harassment of women in the country. This story is almost utopian in nature. So Microsoft has reportedly patented an AI or artificial intelligence to revive those that have passed away as chatbots. According to Science Mint, the U.S. Patents and Trademark Office granted Microsoft a patent for a filing titled Creating a Conversational Chatbot for a Specific Person. A link to the patent is the second link on the blog related to the story. In summary, the patent would allow Microsoft to make a chatbot using the personal information of a deceased friend or a family member. In the abstract, it says, and I quote, In aspects of social data, for example, images, voice data, social media posts, electronic messages, written letters, and so forth, about the specific person may be accessed. The social data may then be used to create or modify a special index in the theme of the specific person's personality. Inputs Mag speculates that Microsoft may be filing this in the hope of creating more personable bots. The idea that you would be able in future to speak to a simulation of someone who has passed away is really not new. It was famously the plot of the Black Mirror episode called Be Right Back, where a young woman uses a service to scrape data from her deceased partner to create a chatbot, and eventually she created a robot. But it's weird, it's really creepy, and it raises a lot of questions of which some are ownership of information, privacy rights after death, fraud, and the potential for identity theft, even if the person is technically gone. For those who are left behind, one could only wonder what the impact would be on their psychology or mental health. All these questions are still hanging in the air and answers are nowhere to be seen. The fact that this patent has been filed does not mean that it will be used right away or even ever. But it's another twist to consider as we navigate our world, our ever-evolving issues around privacy and the emerging issues we now have around our conscious identity. So what do you think about this story, particularly around the issues of mental health for those left behind and consent for those who have passed? Let me know on Instagram or on the blog. The link to access both is in the show notes. With that weird story out of the way, let's end the episode on a relatively positive note. We all know that CPR is one of the most important lessons we ought to learn, but it's also something that we hope we'll never ever have to use. With 30 compressions and two rescue breaths, 16-year-old Toriel Norwood saved the life of her best friend just one day after completing a basic life support class at her Florida-based high school located in the U.S. 
Norwood was driving three friends home when another driver slammed into her from her left and sent the car into a tree. The impact jammed the driver's door shut, so Norwood climbed out of the front window. Two of her friends also managed to get out of the car unharmed, but the collision caused the 16-year-old friend, Azaria Simmons, to hit her head on the backseat window. When she looked around, Norwood noticed that her friend was unresponsive. She first pulled her out of the backseat and then performed CPR. It took 30 compressions and two rescue breaths, but Ms. Simmons eventually gained consciousness. The paramedics then arrived shortly after and took her to the hospital. Without doubt, Ms. Norwood saved her friend's life. Her teacher was astounded to say the least, especially because it is very uncommon for someone to have to apply CPR seals they lent within a 24-hour window. Thanks to the lessons she learned, in addition to her quick thinking, her friend is recovering very well. So that is all for this episode, folks. It goes by really quickly. As you focus into work, don't forget to keep up with your physical and mental health. Stretch, go for walks, take a nap, watch a funny video, talk to someone, just do what you need to do. With that, I'll say have a wonderful week. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to tune in every week for a new episode. Overlooked is a Tunica Media production, which also includes shows like Africa in My Kitchen, with more on the way. So follow Tunica Media on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter to be in the loop. Until next time, have yourself a great week ahead.